Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Are you sure about that? Everybody doing well? well my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. We're so thankful that you are with us this morning. Last week, Pastor Grant tied the bow around our sermon series called Practical Wisdom. He had the topic of money, and he did a wonderful job. A wise man once told me the way to pick a fight and make everybody mad is talk about politics and money, and Grant did one of those things. So if you're mad at him, you can email him at gyaza at hollandchapel.org. Send away. Grant did a wonderful job exposing the Word of God and really teaching us about money and stewardship and finances, and I'm thankful for that, Pastor Grant. Well, if you've picked up on the topic, the theme for this morning, we're going to be talking about unity, Christian unity, unity within the church. And here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to start this off this morning. Anytime you hear somebody preach about unity, the first thing that goes through your mind is, oh my, what is happening? What do our pastors know that I don't? There must be something going on. There must be some hallway conversations. There must be some disunity taking place. I want to speak to that this morning, church. There's nothing like that going on here at Holland Chapel. Praise the Lord. Somebody give me something. Amen. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But this morning, this message serves as a warning. It serves as a warning that if we, as children of God, don't make unity a priority in something that we pursue, we can lose it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a church that is factioned out, that has disunity. It's not a fun place to be, is it? Not at all. Let the world be divided. They don't know Christ. Let those in this room be united because we are children of God. Amen? I'm glad we're in good company this morning. I need some interaction today. If you are a fan of Major League Baseball, give me something. Give me, give me, give me something. Woo! Okay? I'm so thankful that you are united in that. But the only thing that Major League Baseball is good for is a nap. Come on, football. Where you at? Football. There we go. See, unity is all about what you're unified about. Sorry, baseball people. I'm not sure that your unity matters all that much. Football takes the cake. I want to read a quote for you about unity. This is what John Piper says about unity. He says, unity itself is neutral until it is given goodness or badness by something else. Did y'all catch that? Unity itself is neutral until it is given goodness or badness by something else. So for Christians, for us to walk in here and say that we are unified is not enough. What are we unified about? In ministry, I've heard these stories, and they're heartbreaking. In this particular area, the, the South, I've heard stories like this, that not that long ago, Churches were voting with majority on whether or not to allow African Americans to worship with them. Listen to me, church. That's not unity. That's not Christian unity. In very recent days, prominent mainline denominations are voting with majority to not only allow, but to bless same-sex marriage. Listen, church. That is not Christian unity. 
the source of unity is misplaced. Here at Holland Chapel, I cannot speak for any other church, but for Holland Chapel, our unity comes through Jesus Christ and his truth. Amen? That's the source of our unity. Where the source of unity comes from is crucial. And I can only speak for us, but it's in and through Christ and his word here at Holland Chapel. So why? Why, um, why is being unified such a big deal? And who exactly are we as Christians? Go to 1 Peter. If you got your Bibles, go to 1 Peter. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read this with the thought that being unified isn't enough. It's, it's who we're unified around that really matters. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You see, church, at any point in your life, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you were adopted into this royal priesthood, this holy nation, and you are unified by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are his. And that's what unites us. It's Christ. That is our common bond. Everybody in this room, we have our own opinions, we have our thoughts, we have our preferences, and they are a lot of differences. Amen to that? But the only thing that really bonds us, brings us together, is the blood of Jesus. And that is enough. That's enough. You are a royal priesthood, bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. You are a part of that holy nation. And church, listen, that is a really big deal. But this morning, this message serves as a warning. Remember that. Okay, don't forget that. It serves as a warning. This is not a rebuke. It's a, it's a warning. But, but here's what happens in churches. Here's what happens when, when God's people lose focus. Here, here's how it happens. Well, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like what's happening. And we start to elevate our own opinions. We start to elevate our own preferences. We start to elevate our own likes. And when that happens, our eyes get removed from Jesus and they focus on self. When Jesus is eliminated from the picture and yourself is elevated, beware, church, disunity is right around the corner. And I know you've probably seen it, you've heard stories about it, and you may be thinking, well, you don't know my church, you don't know Holland Chapel, you don't know how precious it is, and I echo that, this is a wonderful place. But please do not be so arrogant to think that disunity cannot creep in here, because it can and will. If our eyes lift from Jesus and they turn to self, Disunity can be right around the corner. So this message this morning is a warning to keep Christ central. If you were to keep on reading there in 1 Peter, he would say, I'm warning you against things that wage war against your soul. And disunity is one of those things. It's very dangerous. And we as the people of God have to be on watch all the time. 
about unity. So what is unity and why is it worth keeping? You ever thought about that? Well, what is this unity that we, that we talk about and why is it such a big deal? Why is it something that we should be hanging on to? Well, I want you to go to the Old Testament. Turn to Psalm 133. We're going to read the whole thing. Go to Psalm 133. With this in mind, what is unity and why is it worth keeping? Psalm 133, we're going to read 1 through 3. It says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard and on the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. This morning, church, we're going to break this down verse by verse. That's going to give us our thoughts this morning. So the first thing that I want you to write down, first thing that I want you to remember, is that Christian unity should be pursued. We get that from verse 1, that it is wonderful and pleasant. If you walked in here this morning and you could sense and feel the unity in this church, give me a round of applause, something, right? It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's good and it is pleasant. And it's something that we should pursue. One author writes this about unity. He says, it is what it ought to be. It is what we want it to be, and it is what God requires. When unity is found among the body of Christ, it is truly a good and pleasant thing, and everybody benefits from it. Everybody can experience it. Everybody can, dare I say, feel it. Unity is a good thing, but again, this is a warning, but our our poor actions, our, our poor behavior, and maybe our disruptive opinions can wreak havoc on this unity if we are not careful. James chapter 3, it's going to be on the screen, you'll have to turn there. James chapter 3, 5 and 6. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. What we need to understand this morning as individuals, that there is cause and effect for our individual behaviors. I I like to use this illustration. When, uh, when I stump my toe, if I'm in a hurry in the morning and I stump my toe on the bed, anybody with me on that or step on a Lego? How about that? You've been there. It's terrible. It's not just my toe or my foot that suffers. It's my whole body, right? Man, I, I'm, I'm set back because of what happened. The same thing is true for the body of Christ when you as an individual step outside of unity. When you don't make unity a priority and you let your mouth go, you let your opinions go, you let your preferences go, and you make it all about yourself, we have to understand that there is cause and effect, and my actions not only affect me, but they affect the body of Christ. That's why you, as an individual, pursuing unity is such a big deal. Why? Because unity is good and pleasant. 
And if I do something to mess it up, it's not just me that feels the effect. It's the whole body. Ephesians 4, 2 and 4, it's going to be on the screen. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. You see, church unity, in fact, is good and pleasant, and we should make every effort to pursue it. So I want to ask a really big question. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to write this down. I want you to write it down if you're a note taker. What am I doing to promote unity? I want you to remember that. I want you to write it down. Make it very personal. What am I doing to promote unity amongst God's church? What am I doing? Make it very, very personal. Unity is good and pleasant, and it should be pursued. The second thing comes from verse 2, is that Christian unity is precious. Christian unity is precious. Now remember, it's founded in Christ and his truth. Christian unity is precious. Let's reread verse 2. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. There's lots to talk about, but the first thing for us to remember if we're looking kind of at Old Testament customs was that oil was a really big deal, that, that oil was reserved for priests, for anointing of them and for them to anoint others and for medicinal purposes. It was a rare commodity and it had great value. So when you read uh, about oil here, it's equating it to something that had immense value. And what we see here with this illustration of oil coming over Aaron's head and down his beard and onto his robe is that in this moment, unity was a blessing that was in excess, that there was a lot of it. And here's what happens when there is a lot of unity, where there is a lot of blessing. You get to join in on it, and it's enough to be shared with other people. There's something that's really amazing that takes place amongst God's people when we are sharing in unity and excess. Guess what? A lost world takes notice. A lost world takes notice about what's going on with God's people. And they start to think to themselves, wow, I want to take part in that. So right here what we're reading is that unity was something in excess. It was something to be enjoyed and shared by all. It is a gift and it is precious. I want to share an illustration with you. Many of you might know now, I'm not wearing boots this morning, but I'm a redneck. Any rednecks in the room? Let me hear you. Let's unite. <laughs> well, I am by myself this morning. I know you're out there. I know you're out there. This is what I call a turkey toter. Now, I'm not going to get too graphic, but you go to the woods, you're successful, you harvest a turkey, you tie a little knot around this, you throw it over your shoulder, and you carry him out. It's really cool. Now, what happened several years ago is that my, my uncle gave this to me. A few years later, he passed away. But, but you see, for my uncle and I, every Thanksgiving or Christmas, whenever we got around one another, it was, it was hunting, it was stories, it was that bond that we had that brought us together. And I'll never forget the Christmas he gave me that. Now, you might be thinking, well, it's just, it's just a, a deer antler. 
and the leather strap. There's really no numerical value placed for that whatsoever. But you see, for me, it's value, it's precious, and it's priceless because of what it represents. For me, it holds value because of what it represents. The same thing goes for unity. It is precious because it represents Jesus. Unity for the, for the believers in Christ is so important, it's so precious, it's so valuable because it represents the gospel. It, it represents our Savior who loved us enough to die on a cross to give us a way of salvation. It, it, it's so precious to us because it represents forgiveness. It's so precious because it represents love. It's so precious because it represents truth. Unity represents Christ. That's what makes it so precious. And if it's so precious, it's something that should be pursued. But again, this message is a warning. Our poor actions and our divisive behavior can dry up this blessing. Remember, we cannot become so arrogant to think that this will never disappear. It can and it will. Joel 1 verse 10 says the fields are ruined, the land is stripped bare, the grain is destroyed, the grapes have shriveled, and the olive oil is gone. Oil is always synonymous with blessing. And what is happening right here in this particular passage is that Israel, the people of God, have stepped into disobedience. They've allowed dissension and distraction. They've lost focus of Jesus. They've made things all about themselves. And what God does in this very moment is he removes blessing. So church, let me warn you, God can and he will remove the blessing of unity if we step outside of it. He will, I know that is strong, but he can and he will. It's something that we should pursue because it's so precious and it represents Jesus. The third thing that I want you to take note of comes out of verse three is that Christian unity provides life. Christian unity provides life. We get that from verse 3. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. So you might be thinking, man, what in the world is going on there? Like, man, you got mountains. What's happening here? Well, uh, let me give you a, a brief breakdown of, of, of the scenario that's happening. Mount Hermon was the tallest mountain in Israel. So the writer of Psalms right here is looking up to the tallest mountain, and they recognize that those dews, they, they produce rain, and it comes over and it showers them with water. Water is life. So he's saying, man, I, I know where that blessing comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from up there. That's the symbol. So for us this morning, we have to understand that the blessing of unity comes from heaven. It is a gift from God himself, and it is a precious gift. Unity is a, a gift from heaven that provides life for his church. I'm going I'm to speak to it again. You, you've probably been at another church, maybe watching a nephew or a niece or somebody get baptized, and you walk into that church, not talking bad about that church, but you walk in there and you're like, well, this is not a place that I want to be every week, right? Don't raise your hand if you've been there, but you know what I'm talking about. 
You walk into that place and you just feel it. It's not there. And then you come here and you're like, wow, what a blessing. What a blessing of unity. That has to be from heaven. It's a priceless gift. The more that we understand that unity is a blessing from heaven, the more that we are going to strive for it and protect it. And we have to understand that God will remove it. But just like the waters from Mount Hermon, unity here amongst the believers in Christ is life-giving. You can walk in here on the worst day of the week and be surrounded by the fellowship of believers and go, wow, there's something special about it. Whatever the subject matter is that's preached or whatever the content of the songs, it doesn't matter. Whatever's going on in your life, man, you can walk in here and feel the presence of the Lord by the unity of the believers. Amen? You can feel it. You can see it. It's a blessing of God. And here's my prayer. My prayer is that nothing that we do, no poor actions, no divisive behavior, no opinions or preferences would ever get in the way of the unity that's shared here at Holland Chapel. Because there is nothing more important than Jesus. Not the color of the carpet or what you sit in, pew versus chair, and might I add, chairs are way more comfortable than pews, amen? It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of him, we stand chance for Satan to creep in and cause disunity here. And I do not want to see that. Unity is something that we should pursue, something that is very precious. And we have to understand that it is a gift from heaven. We're going to do something in just a second. It's going to be an interaction drill. We're going to do this together. But we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read the, the, the first verse. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Paul's like, is there anything good from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And here's what I want to do. Church, would you stand with me in this moment? And I know we haven't practiced this, we haven't rehearsed it, but here's what I want us to do. We're going to read verse 2 together. It's going to be on the screen. Audibly. Audibly. Let's read that together. Let's go. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Church, let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much. For your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Thank you so much for the cross and what it represents. That in and through the cross we can have forgiveness of sins by the blood that was shed by Christ. And I pray this morning that this church, that Holland Chapel, this group of believers would be unified around cross of Christ. That we would not allow distractions to creep in. That we would not allow our preferences, our likes or our dislikes cause any dissension among God's people. Help us to take responsibility for our own actions. That it really does affect the body of Christ how we act. 
how we speak. There are consequences. God, above all else, help us to be unified. God, I, I pray special protection over Holland Chapel, that you would protect this church. Satan would love nothing more than to get a foothold through someone in some way and disrupt our unity. So God, protect us. Help us to keep Christ the focus. We ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen. Here's what I want to do, church. Here's what I want to elevate this morning. I think it would be a great moment for us to gather as a church and pray with one mind and one purpose. So the pastor team, we got together, we were thinking, man, what, what is coming up? What, what could the church pray in unison about? And in a couple weeks, there's going to be a really big thing taking place called Amplify. Many, many, many in this room take part in serving and Amplify is a wonderful ministry that we as a church and the community stand together with one mind and one purpose, glorifying God and sharing the gospel. So I think that is something worthy of us to gather and pray about. So I've asked Pastor Josh to come up here and lead that prayer. And if you in this very moment want to move, I'm encouraging you right now in this moment, come on down here, gather around him so we can pray as a church with one mind and one purpose for Amplify. So take a moment, come on down here, and let's pray together as a church. While everyone's coming, I just want to share the verse that, that, that the name Amplify come from is Psalms 34.3, and the last part of that verse says, let us exalt his name together. Together mirrors unity, right? When we're together in something, when we're unified in our efforts and it's focused on him, man, it can be so big. Amplify, pre-COVID numbers, arguably the one of the largest, if not the largest Christian music festival in the nation. Makes no sense. And it's free. To the world, it makes no sense. But to us, we know why, right? When we're unified and we're focused and we keep the main thing the main thing, big things happen. Pastor Luke spoke on, on the others, the lost world, want to be a part of it, right? They're like, what's going on? That don't make sense. Let me lean in. Literally, real life example of that, a few years ago, this apartment complex right here across the street, Someone walked across during Amplify. What's going on over there? Didn't know Jesus when they walked in, left here with Jesus. That's real-world example of that very thing. It makes no sense to the world that we live in, this fallen world, when they see the church come together and worship Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. truly in awe how good you are to us Lord we're so thankful for your son 
perfect sacrifice and our resurrection as it beats in on our behalf. Dear Lord, I pray for Amplify. I pray that uh, as a leadership team often prays that we keep the main thing the main thing. The bands that come are, are amazing, talented, gifted, amazing ministries, but they're just a tool that you use. That's not the main thing. The main thing is your son, Jesus Christ. The good news, the gospel of him. Dear Lord, we pray that you do something only you can do. Dear Lord, that the spotlight is on you and you alone, that even the name Amplify gets lost. I pray that your church, as we gather, it's, it's, it's much bigger than, than Holland Chapel. It's, it's much bigger than even just this community. But, but as your church comes together in unity, dear Lord, that it would be something that can only be explained with one word. That's Jesus. Pray for protection over the event. Dear Lord, I pray that, that again, your word, your gospel of your son would just be first and foremost that those that are, that are coming from across the state and other states that you prepare their hearts now, prepare their minds now to receive what you have for them. Dear Lord, that you encourage that that person that is is connected with their church that they're just itching they're just not sure if they want to or not but they feel convicted to invite a, a lost friend a co-worker that they know doesn't know Jesus I pray that they they yield to you in that conviction and they make those invites over the next couple weeks we thank you we worship you we praise you dear Lord we are so grateful for you without your son we have no hope. But through him, we celebrate the hope that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.